everyone. Welcome back to the Film Fund Podcast. I'm your host, founder, and executive producer at the Film Fund, Thomas Verity. I'm also an award-winning filmmaker, producer, and film festival judge. I started the Film Fund to give filmmakers an easier, alternative way to get their films funded. Instead of working on a screenplay, crowdfunding campaign, or grant application, you write one sentence pitching your film for a chance to receive up to $10,000 and other prizes to make it. Our Fall 2022 narrative and documentary funding contests are now open, so check us out at thefilmfund.co to enter your one-sentence pitch for a chance to receive up to $10,000 to make your film. I want to remind listeners the contests do happen regularly, so if you are listening at a later date, check the website at thefilmfund.co for the most up-to-date information. Today we have Chris Langford on the show. He was the producer on a project from Marissa Slavin, one of our previous winners who received $5,000 for her project. Um, I will let Chris talk a little bit more about that and his um, association with Marissa and just, you know, what he did on set and all that kind of stuff or pre-production rather. Um, Chris, so happy to have you. Thanks for joining us today. Um, tell us a little bit about yourself. Hey, thanks for, thanks for having us on the show. Uh, so I'm Chris Langford. I'm a Canadian producer. Uh, I'm also an actor and like you, award-winning director and writer. Uh, I worked with Marissa Slavin on a film we're in post-production for called A Man Walks Into a Bar. Uh, and the money that you gave us actually was the seed money that we were able to use to really mo get the, get, get the project moving forward, right? Because as soon as you have that money, you can start crewing up, you can start looking at locations, you can actually, you have that injection of capital, even though it's backloaded, that you can be like, hey, we have this money, all we got to do is spend it, we'll get it back, and uh, let's move this project forward. So it ended up probably representing, oh, I don't know, about half of the budget. So it was a good, it was a good chunk to start with. Very cool. And do you do filmmaking full time? Mm. No, I'm a part-time filmmaker. I still have a regular job. Uh, plus I'm also like yourself, a podcast host for the, how'd you like that movie? I'm co-host of the, how'd you like that movie podcast, which is obviously like a film review podcast. So very cool. Yeah. I think I'm actually appearing on that, uh, in the future at some point, right? If you talked about that, yes, yes, you are. Uh, yes, I have you it on are. my calendar. Uh, we're looking forward to that. So, <laughs> uh, very cool. <laughs> That's awesome. How did you get into um, film? So, as I said, like I'm an actor. Tip, I was originally an actor, uh, both theater and film. And then when the pandemic happened, a lot of the acting opportunities kind of stopped, and, and we didn't know what was going on with the pandemic at the time. And I had this idea. Sorry. Me and my business partner had this idea about uh, a film. At, at the time, we didn't know if we were going to shoot it into like a music video or what we were going to do with it. And I had time because I wasn't able to do any acting. And even my like regular job was much more constrained. So I was like, hey, man, do you mind if I just like write this up as a screenplay and, and, and see what he does, see where it goes? And that's what we did. We shot uh, a couple of years ago in October, a little like six minute short film uh, that has kind of like a <laughs> Nicholas Wyndham Rafin, Tarantino, and then some early kind of Scorsese kind of vibes to it. Or at least that that was the the what was going on in my head. Right. <laughs> when you watch it, it probably isn't quite to that level. Uh, and yeah, and then it just kind of went from there, right? Because as you with every film you do, you learn what you need to do in the future, you make mistakes, and, and you just kind of grow from that. Uh, that film did very well at festival. And then I just finished my writing and directing another micro short that just won at the Canadian International Comedy Film Festival. So, so it's been good. Like that's what got me into it though. Basically the pandemic, yeah. otherwise I would have just stayed in front of the camera. That's awesome. Um, yeah. It's always cool to see like people's, um, 
paths. You know, some people go to film school, some people just kind of do it out of like not necessity, but um, you know, it's like you were an actor, you have this tangential relationship to it. Like, oh, let me get behind the camera and do something. It's just so cool to see like everyone's different paths. Um, it's like you have the traditional route, like, oh, I'll go to film school and you know, become a director, and then, and then other people are just kind of like, I'm gonna pick up a camera and start making shit, uh, which I love to see. So that's super cool. Um, and how did you end up partnering up with Marissa? So Marissa knows my editor, Jean-Luca. And Jean-Luca was like, hey, man, uh, I just, you know, he came across this writer that he was working with, uh, which he was working with her on A Man Walks Into a Bar. And originally, my I was never involved in that project. He's like, but you should, you should meet this writer. It's really important as a filmmaker to know writers. I'm like, absolutely. Like, creatives are great. So she had a little interview with me just to kind of fill me in on like what her writing background was and stuff like that. And at the time, that's when she told me that she had this money from the film fund and, you know, they had to get this project made in order to get the money and da, 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 da. And they had, they were having a bit of a challenge with their American mm-hmm. producer because she's she's in here in Ontario, Canada. Jean-Luc is here in Ontario, Canada, and I'm here in Ontario, Canada. And it all, we're all within like an hour and a half of each other. So it just made sense to bring on a local fixer, basically. And that's kind of what happened. I was like, I can I can manage all this stuff. I, I live close to everybody. I already have contacts in the industry. And that's it. Basically, location, location, mm, location. Yeah. <laughs> I, I was the person who was closest available to production. And yeah, then about three months later, we were shoot doing a two-day shoot here in Toronto, Ontario. And... Um... I want to go back to something you said about your previous contest. You said you were on the festival circuit. Uh, what was your experience with film festivals? Are, are you a fan of them? You know, would you, what, what, how would you talk about them? So, I mean, I just, so I just flew back from Winnipeg, Manitoba from the Canadian International Comedy Film Festival. And that was great because the problem is, is we've been doing festivals online mm-hmm. or not even online. Like you submit your stuff. We tell you if you won, but nobody sees your work. And to me, film festivals are about, sure, like getting a laurel on your poster, your one sheet is great, but really it's about networking, right? It's either getting seen by uh, other producers, studio heads, directors, cinematographers, writers, et cetera, or just the face-to-face of meeting those people in a room and being like, oh man, I really liked your film. Who did your color grading? Hey, I really liked your film. I'd love to have, uh, do a collaboration with you. And being able to kind of press that flash was Mm -hmm. gone during the pandemic. So being able to come back and, so to me, film festivals are extremely important networking opportunities and definitely at the higher levels like South by or, you know, can or any of those big, big festivals where there's markets available. I think those are extremely valuable because as we kind of we were talking about before we started the show, everybody's chasing money. Like we need money to make continue to make art, to continue to make a product. And you need to have people who have money to see your work and meet you and interact with you so they yeah. will give you money. Yeah, exactly. It's all about <laughs> relationships. And there are so many fly-by-night mm-hmm. film festivals and film contests out there. Like I have a short right now that we're submitting to festivals on Film Freeway. And we decided to do some of their paid promotion, like marketing options. And we're getting so many. Uh, yeah, you can pay okay. like they vary. One was like 20 bucks. One was like. 100 or so um it's trailer of the week like featured project that kind of thing and they send it out to um film festivals and we've gotten some legit ones like we've gotten i I mean we haven't been to them but we've been invited to um malibu film festival we've been invited to i think key west film festival and they sound legit i did research on them they look pretty cool um but they're also like 
you know, the Sochi International Film Awards and and stuff like that in Russia. And there's like all of these film awards and and things that are just, you know, it's like, oh, yeah, we have all the you get a laurel when you submit. And this is clearly like a cash grab. Um, so you have to be careful out there, like with what you're submitting to. And it's just so interesting. Like my inbox has like 400 unread emails from all of these contests. And I don't think ha- like probably less than half of them are worth submitting to. Um, so it's always like, yeah, like being um, networking with people and making sure there's like a real environment there where you can meet people and get your work seen is I think super important. Well, and I think you kind of hit on it when you said you did your research. So it's great. Like, you know, if you get invited to a festival or you see a festival that you're interested in, and I do like film freeway because there is kind of a lot of information. You can go to the websites. It's all kind of in one place. Um, But it is, it behooves you as a filmmaker to either do it yourself or have your producer run these things down and make sure like sometimes you spend $15 because you're new to the industry and you actually just want some laurels. So you can be like, I was in a film festival. Like the actual act of being in a film festival is almost not the important aspect. But once you move out of that stage, it's important to know what, like, you know, do you want to, if do you have a horror film? So do you want to go to Fright Fest in England? Do you want to go to uh, Fantasia in Montreal? Like there are certain festivals that are very important or the, you know, Kitchener, Waterloo, horror, extreme, blah, blah, blah. Mm. That really means nothing. Like it is important for you to do your research. Um, And this is why I think it's also important as a filmmaker to have a producer, whether it means like an actual producer, like someone like me who does production or someone who's acting as a producer has that role. And you can, you can get those people for free, just like you can get a DOP for free. And this is something actually I want your audience to understand is that there's lots of us who are new producers that just, we need experience as well. We need those IMDb credits and we want to learn hands-on just the way a production assistant or a director does. So you can find people who are willing to work for zero money or low money. And like, I even, I put money into my, any project I produce, I usually, if I've read the script and I'm willing to produce it, I'm probably going to give you money as well. And so you can actually probably find these people and they take a lot of load off the creative right? Like I've directed and written, produced my own stuff. And there's just a lot of balls in the air. When I'm just producing, it means that I can make sure there's insurance. I can, while you guys are doing post, I'm starting to look at film festivals. I'm starting to look at the trailer and the one sheet. And it just means that you as the director or you as the creative, you don't have to worry about like craft services and whether there's pylons. (laughs) You know what I mean? That's a lot. I usually, um, you know, with the shorts I have done in the past, I'm still pretty early in my filmmaking career as well. Um, but I always write, direct, and produce, and it's a lot to juggle. It's like, you know, like you said, do you have insurance? Is is the shooting schedule locked? Like, how are locations? And it's like multiple hats, and like, I'm okay, well, now I have my director hat on, but I'm still wearing the producer hat because I have to make sure there's food coming in an hour uh, for lunch. So, yeah, it's a lot It's a lot to work on. Uh, That's so right. I, typically, how I alleviate that is I bring on a co-producer. Um, so when I get, I guess, overwhelmed with the producing stuff, I can be, uh, I can kind of, you know, be like on our last project, ironically, the co-producer's name was also Tom. The name of the project was called the Tom. So it'd be like, Tom, I need you to handle this. And then I can just go, you know, focus on the creative. Um, yeah. If, if you don't have that kind of support system in place and you're trying to do everything yourself, it can be, it can get very, very messy. Um, so a Well, and, and producers are usually people who, whether they like it or not, are comfortable mm-hmm. with like budgets, line items, spreadsheets, like, it's not sexy, 
but it needs to be done. You know, I like to joke that sometimes I'm in front of the camera, sometimes I'm behind the camera, but late recently I've been the guy making sure <laughs> like there that. is a camera. <laughs> cool. And then, uh, do you have any projects in the works, um, in the future? I mean, obviously, um, man walks into a bar. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm going to cam camera on Friday. Uh, I'm producing a short film called passages, uh, here in, uh, Cambridge or actually in Toronto, Ontario. And, uh, it's, uh, it's a three day shoot for, we've got roughly a $13,000 production budget. That doesn't even include post that's 13,000 Canadian. So I, like I said, like a dollar 25 American, uh, <laughs> with the Canadian peso. Um, yeah, it's good. It's like a drama. We've got an amazing cinematographer. Uh, I'm just trying to pull up the director's last name here. Do, 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 do. Hank D so his name's Hank Devos and our DOP is Fong Tran. Um, we've got, we're fully crewed up. So like we have a first AD, we have a, you know, second AC with follow focus, like nice. all that. It's going to look beautiful. We're doing some, don't tell our insurance, but we're doing some driving, driving shots with like oh, mounted nice. cameras. Oh, <laughs> How did you get linked up with um, these guys? It's good. <clears throat> so again, because now I've, so I've also executive produced like a feature film. I'm starting to have that, not name recognition, but people are like, Hey, you're looking for a producer. You should probably call Chris. So I, I field meetings, you know, a couple times a month or whatever on new projects. Mm -hmm. Sometimes I get picked up. Sometimes I don't, uh, I'm a pretty straight shooter. I'm like, this is what I can bring. This is what I won't do. If you like that, let me know. Let me see your script. So I basically, someone sent me this person's contact stuff. I reached out. He, I had actually gotten into a local film festival with two of my films. So they had done a, kind of an interview like we're doing right now. So when he looked me up, he saw that I had this similar, I had this, some similar ideas around what's important to a film. One of them being sound. That's another thing I want your audience to know is that there are many things you can get away with on a film. Always make sure you have good location sound. Always, always like whether it's, whether they're four or five, $600 a day with their gear, pay for that. Because as we all know, we will watch the most like squinty found footage thing. But as soon as the sound's yeah. off, you're, you're out of the storytelling element. Right. So yeah, there's something it's like sound is that other dimension. It's like, it puts you, it immerses you in the film. And when you don't, when it doesn't sound right or full enough, it's, it's like this unconscious signal that's like this is amateur absolutely it's just like something goes off in your your brain it's like this doesn't sound right like this is not a high quality film but like you said if it's found footage you know that could be their aesthetic like <laughs> the, the, the dp could have completely messed up um or you didn't have a dp you're just doing it all handheld but if it sounds great it's like oh okay this is legit uh so yeah i definitely agree with you there sound is super super important um definitely recommend you know and that doesn't even mean like even if you're first starting out um i mean my first short that i will not let anyone see because it was terrible it sounded good though um i had my dad this i was like in high school i had my dad holding a boom pole that was a painter's pole from home depot that i got like some <laughs> attachment mount on ebay to hook up a boom pole i told him what to do you know i read a production sound book um you know we had the the recorder it was like a task cam dr mark whatever um and it worked it sounded good like it wasn't you know we didn't have to shell out eight hundred dollars for a professional sound recordist with all his full kit. Like we got some budget gear from eBay and Home Depot. I told, you know, my dad or, you know, grab a friend, tell them what to do and have them do it. There have been films. I can't think of the name of it, but there was a film that went to Sundance where 
I was reading a, an interview with the director who's like, yeah, we just for sound like we gave the boom to a different like friend every shoot day. Yeah. Um, and I ended up going to Sundance. So like as long as you have the gear and you're putting enough attention into sound, um, that can be good, too. But obviously, if you have the budget, like <laughs> spend the money on sound. Um, yeah, absolutely. Always, always prioritize it. Well, again, like I said, it's the to me, it's like the one thing that I, I will never go to camera without a good sound person. And same with like post. Uh, that's the other thing. People, it's funny. Everybody wants like some Ari with uh, with like German lenses or whatever when they're shooting and they have zero post-production budget. And then it shows all those great images yep. you took, all that great sound you captured. If it's not mixed, if you don't have sound design, if you don't have color grading, like you're, it's like you have this great car with no engine and no paint on it, right? Yeah. So. Exactly. But uh, yeah, to finish your, your question. So basically I, uh, basically I interacted with the director and he liked kind of the idea that uh, we had the same values when it came to filmmaking. And then he sent me his script and the script is really great. Um, and I was like, yeah, I like it. Let's go. And I saw his work and his work was really good that the work he's done so far. And it just kind of, that was it. <laughs> boom, boom, boom. And that was a couple months ago. And now we're yeah, going to camera. So it's, uh, it's kind of exciting. It's always nerve wracking. I'm right now I'm in that. And I'm sure as someone who's worked the whole process, I'm in that weird black hole zone where everything on my checklist is done which makes me really nervous because I feel like I've definitely missed something very important. Yeah. Like, did we do casting? We have actors, right? Like we, we actually booked <laughs> actors for this thing. <laughs> yeah, that would be important. Cool. And then uh, what are some of the major challenges in the filmmaking process for you or producing process? Uh, well, first off, money. Like, and I hate to say it, like I know that the digital revolution has democratized filmmaking. Like it's definitely easier to make a film but it still always comes down to money, right? Money for gear, money for locations, money for posts, money for film festivals, which is where you guys actually step in. It's like being able to take that burden or possibly take that burden off. Uh, I know that, uh, again, before the show, we talked a bit about grant proposals and just how you can spend hours, weeks, like especially for our big federal grants here. Like I have to sit down, I have like mood boards and shot lists and budgets. And it's a lot of work for them to just be like, thanks, Next. <laughs> so money, <laughs> yeah. money is always a big one, but outside of the obvious, I think that you need to, and this is not, I, I think that one thing that people have to understand is like, unless you're just doing like pure art, like some crazy David Lynch stuff, like it's everything's supposed to be in service of a story. So have a good story, like even the concept, like even, even before you get into your screenplay, make sure you have like a cool interesting story, something that has gravitas or emotion or something, some purpose, comedy, whatever mm -hmm. it's going to be. And then get a good script because you can, you don't have to have the best visuals. Make sure you have that good sound. But if the script is good, like go, go watch Kevin Smith's clerks. Okay. Black and white. Yeah. He dropped out of the Vancouver film school. Cause he's like, listen, this is a lot of money. I feel like I can do this film. They get a bunch of black and white film. They get to shoot at night. That's why the door, the shutters are locked yep. and him and his friends just basically bang out this film and it's clerks. Like that's yep. what you got like this. It, but it's all in like, it's all those little dialects. Like the whole thing about like salsa shark, or there's a lot of fine ass women out there, but they don't all bring you lasagna at work. Like that's the script. So it's got this great story and this wonderful dialogue. Reservoir Dogs, right? Quentin Tarantino's Reservoir yeah, Dogs. One Very simple. Like, yeah, like one location. I mean, except for maybe the coffee shop. But it's the yeah. dialogue you remember. That whole 
table conversation, either about like a virgin or about tipping, you remember that. The Mr. Blonde, well, then everybody's going to be, no one's going to want to be Mr. Pink, blah, blah, blah. What's Mr. Brown, Mr. Shit? Like, that's the writing. You know, like that's what you remember. You don't remember. Well, I'm, I'll tell you, you put 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 your favorite like art house director up against like Transformers. And I know which one you'll remember because the explosions and stuff will yeah. come and go. But that great, those great lines, those will stick with you forever. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And, it, you know, with the script, it comes down to uh, and it's just storytelling in general it comes down to conflict. Like that's what we look at uh, when we're evaluating sentences and pitches for the film fund, like what is the the central conflict of this story, what's driving it forward? And that comes from the script too. Um, you know, you need to have good writing, good characters, good plot, um, you know, everything that's driving that story forward. What is the conflict here? What are the opposing forces you need? And that all starts with, you know, the idea of the film and the script. Um, so super, super, I mean, we're saying everything is important, but it is it's like, you can't not budget for post, but you also need a good script for the blueprint for the film. You need a good pitch sentence too. You need a good log line. Um, it's all important. So, um yeah all of that is super important and and worth taking into consideration for sure well and don't try and be in such a big rush right like take your time like there's Mm -hmm. there's no if you're thinking of going to sundance this year it's still going to be there next year so just you know have someone review your scripts that's that's the first one i see is that like you someone sits down they write a script they think it's the you know the greatest the greatest american novel ever written and they don't let anyone else read it. Well, let someone else read it. It doesn't even have to be a scriptwriter. Just because an- another set of eyes will let someone go, well, why is this character doing this? And and that's another, that feeds into when you get directors who direct their own writing is sometimes you watch those films and you go, hmm, what's going on here? And it's because the director in their mind, even though it's not on the screen, they're making co- like character connections or plot connections that the audience isn't actually being shown because it's all worked out in their head. Yeah. So it's just like, that's another advantage also of having an editor that's not you. I, like, I, I know there's lots of directors, especially stuff with like Premiere Pro now. Like I said, you can shoot it, you can edit it, you can do everything, you can color grade it in DaVinci. But those extra eyes, those extra professionals, they actually help you make a better production, right? Like film is collaborative. I don't care what people think about, you know, the auteur cinema with like Stanley Kubrick and stuff like that. Like having those extra eyes makes a better picture in my opinion. Yeah. Yeah, And it definitely is so helpful to just have that support system again. So you can't do everything yourself. Like, and even besides that, having those other eyes, um, we have a a tornado going on there. Hold on a sec. Hey, could you (laughs) stop that please? No worries. Sorry, I tried to like mute my mic, but because I'm used to using Zoom, uh, I couldn't find oh, the mute button. It's, so it's all good. It's all good. Um, what were we saying? Oh, just yeah, having multiple eyes. Like, there's a really good. I don't know how you feel about YouTubers and all that kind of thing, but um, I think he's a filmmaker too. Actually, Casey Neistat. Um, not that I've watched any of his actual films, but he made a video a while ago. It was one of the first blog posts we did on the Film Fund a few years ago called "Filmmaking is a Team Sport," and I just loved it so much because, like, aside from having that support system, you're right, having another set of creative eyes. Um, they may, they're going to bring a different perspective to what you're doing and they're going to give it more context. And like, I have an example of my previous film or my, my film that I mentioned, the Toms that I'm submitting, it brought the, uh, the storyboards I drew, <laughs> which are terrible. I just do stick figure storyboards, uh, to the DP. And I, I said like, Hey, you know, this is how I want to open with this kind of shot here. And he goes, Oh, well, you know, can I make a suggestion? Like, yeah, absolutely. And he suggested doing it a different, completely different way. Um, because that would land, you know, more 
meaning to the story or the theme and what we're going for. And it's just, it's always good to collaborate. Um, and that doesn't mean you always have to say yes either. Like you can have those other creative opinions. You can say, no, that's part of being a director, making a decision. Um, we ran into that with the color grading a little bit on the Toms, like the deep, it, it went back to me. I didn't establish a clear, um, you know, color palette from the beginning. I knew what I wanted in my head, but I didn't really communicate that to the DP. And, and the colorist in the same room. And then we went to color grading and the DP was like, that's not what I shot. And it just got a little messy. So um, <laughs> having multiple creatives can also be difficult if you're not all communicating. So I think it's great to have multiple people make sure you're all communicating and you're on the same page at the end of the day too. Well, and you're right. Like at the end of the day, and outside of the studio system, like in the studio system, the producer, whoever the money man from money person from the studio, they often get the final, final say, mm -hmm. but you're right. Like the director at the end of the day, it's, it's their project, right? They're the storyteller. <laughs> and so, yeah, you get that feedback and you, sometimes you have to stand your ground with your D DOP or your editor and go, no, like that's got to stay in. Like, I, I don't care if you don't like it. Mm -hmm. uh, I need it in there for whatever my storytelling aspect is. Um, I mean, what, what are you, what's your take on co-directing? Cause it's always one of those things where like, sometimes I want to bring on like a co-director cause I want to have like a female lens sure. or a female gaze or something. And then I'm like, I would rather just have them direct because I feel <laughs> yeah. like you, unless you're the Russo brothers or the Cohen, like your family mm. or the Wachowskis or something like that. I don't know if you can truly co-direct with someone. Yeah, I've never done it myself. What are your thoughts um, on that? I, I'm not a fan of it. I mean, I love the Cohen brothers, but like you said, they're brothers. Like they grew up together. They, they have this symbiotic relationship. I'm sure um, where they're just, you know, feeding on one another or feeding, you know, ideas or flowing and they just grew up together. Like with co-directing, I feel like I'm, I'm kind of a control freak. I wouldn't want, like, I'm open to, I have a very collaborative working relationship with my DP um, where it's almost like he's co-directing the shots sometimes and he'll like suggest, oh, like, what if we, what if we put the camera here instead? Like even on corporate stuff, I work with him on sometimes. Um, I had a backdrop envisioned and we were going to do it in this corner. He was like, well, what if, what if we did it over here instead? And here's why. So it's almost like co-directing in a sense like that. But at the end of the day, I'm still the director and I can say, no, I want to do this. Um, yeah. With co-directing, I don't know how you have that conversation because they're both the director and you have to come to an agreement somehow. So I don't, I wouldn't like it for myself personally. Um, I think there needs to be one captain steering the ship on a production. Yeah, I 100% agree. I mean, it's uh, someone has to be the one that resolves the mm -hmm. conflict, right? There has to be a final tip, and that's it. Like, there's there's the decision. My foot is coming down. The foot has spoken, exactly. kind of thing, as Homer Simpson would say. Um, yeah, and again, I think that it also means that it's now your fault. Yep. <laughs> so when when you if you get all of the decisions, it means you carry exactly. all the responsibility. So if your editor makes suggestions and you don't listen to them, that's fine. It's now your fault. Yeah, 100%. <laughs> yeah, you have to be willing to uh, shoulder that responsibility as the director. So what is... Oh, I'm just curious, too. I meant to ask this way earlier when we were recording. Uh, you said you had a day job. Are you comfortable saying what that day job is? We like to get yeah, yeah, yeah. I, uh, I mean... I, yeah, it's... No, I work in trades. I used to... I was in the military for okay. 10 years, which has nothing to do with my <laughs> trades. But, like, I had, like, regular jobs. I still have a regular job. Uh Luckily, uh, trades up here where I live pays fairly well because if you ever have too much money, make movies because then you won't have too much money. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> it's it's basically like putting a spigot into your bank account and just yep. dumping yep, it all yep. over There's the place. So it is nice to have that income where I'm like, yeah, that you can still eat food and uh, maybe have a roof over your head when mm-hmm. you're making yeah, a movie. Yeah, no, filmmaking is expensive <laughs> and it's a great way to go. So if you're <laughs> it's always self-financing things. Um, but that's awesome. Yeah, because like I started the film fund, um, you know, when I had a day job and I was waking up at 5 a.m. and cracking up blog posts and doing SEO and digital marketing. So it's always cool to see like how people are, are living and making filmmaking happen because it's it, not everybody's doing it full time uh, yet. And it's, it's always just so interesting to me to see those stories of like what people's lives actually look like outside of this podcast. Uh, so that's that's super cool. Um, and then I oh, was sorry. Well, and luckily for me. Oh, go ahead. No, no, go ahead. Go ahead. Go no, ahead. no, no. I was going to wrap up. Uh, luckily for me, like I there's. Oh, there's there's two really big. There's three in Canada, but in 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 the world, Canada is known in Vancouver and Toronto for its film industry. And I live about an hour and a half from downtown Toronto. So a lot of people I work with or including myself, sometimes we're usually if I'm on set, it's because I'm acting like if I'm on a big like big TV show or something, it's because I'm actually performing in the show. But lots of our crew they are, they work like they're, they're, you know, third ADs during the day and they're a first mm. AD on a short film or they're a camera operator and they're a DOP. And I'll be honest, that is one of the biggest advantages to films coming out of Southern Ontario is that proximity to like Hol- one of the two Hollywood Norths, whether you're shooting in BC, British Columbia on the other side of the country or I am. And if you really like the best, <laughs> some of the best art stuff you're going to see is coming out of our French pro- province of much mm. uh, of Quebec. So like around Montreal and Quebec City and and the Maritimes have some good stuff too. I want to make, I don't want to throw shade on them, but like, you know, Villeneuve and a bunch of other people have come out of that Quebecois mm-hmm. filmmaking system, which is heavily grounded in like art, like art, 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 filmmaking, less like, less like not corporate, but basically, you know, your mainstream Netflix right. kind of stuff. But again, like having, having access to, it'd be like being in New York or Los Angeles versus like nowhere oh idaho right like it's great to live in idaho but living in new york means that your pa just came uh, who's now working as your ad just came off of working like a 200 million dollar feature film right so yeah no, it definitely helps with experience and people knowing different jobs and everything too so what uh what's next for you in the next year or so uh so i'm i'm so as soon as i'm done with this film next week, well, as far as like production, it'll move into post. Uh, a Man Walks is in. That's the one that the film fund helped with. It's in its post. It's it's moved into its first round of color grading and sound design. So we're hoping to get that out. I don't know. I'm fine with it being out by the end of 2022. The other film, which is called Passage, is going to move into its, its post uh, process. And then I'm moving back behind the camera. I have a one-day, really arty script that i'm going to shoot which is a so my first film was called heartache that's the kind of tarantino one it's about online dating all all my stuff's actually about online dating in some capacity because it's it's kind of the new Mm. it's very zeitgeisty right um yeah i've got a one-day shoot where i'm gonna get that done and then i'm gonna move that very quickly through post because i've already got that all kind of locked up in my mind what needs to be done so that i can have I, i basically always have something in the festival uh, Wicket, right? So unsolicited will finish its festival run in early 2023. And then coffee, which is the one I'm going behind the camera to shoot in December, will move, will take over. And it's just constantly 
always having stuff that I've written and directed or produced, always going. We've got a bunch of film festivals coming up. Uh, As you know, man, it's a hustle. You got you got to just always because you start making momentum. I mean, we hear about it all the time, like whether it's actors or filmmakers in, in the Hollywood system. They're on a trajectory, they take a break and they lose the momentum. And that's all it takes. Like you can lose your momentum. So if you've put this much work in, just even just go out and like shoot something small and just to keep your name out there, to keep Mm -hmm. it look like you're relevant. Like otherwise you're, you're going to have, you're going to, it's going to also feel like I get super anxious if I don't have like a project I'm working on. It's like, Oh my God, the industry's moving past me. Yeah. And that's what I, um, and and we have you and we have you yeah, coming no, on the I'm show, super, so that's uh, that's also going to be something we 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 get to. Yeah, that's okay. that was the film you picked. So we kind of let our guests pick films. Uh, we also have a we have a lot of filmmakers come on. Uh, right now we're in our like hot. We're doing a special called Hot Ghouls of Halloween. So we covered. Uh, Pearl is our first episode, and then we covered The Invitation because it's by Karen Kuzman, who's mm-hmm. a great horror director. And then our next two episodes, we have a an FX artist coming on a female FX artist and then a female horror photographer. So we have all these like great guests coming on. And one of the things we always do when they're filmmakers is we're like, you Mm -hmm. can self promote all you want, but we are not going to talk about (laughs) your film in a critical matter. Cause the last thing you want is to be like, so what'd you think of my film? Uh, We actually had this happen where we were at a a premiere of some local filmmakers and they're like, Hey guys, so what'd you think of the film? And I was like, you probably don't want to ask film critics what they thought about your film on your opening night. Yeah. <laughs> That's probably not a, not a good place to put yourself. Mm. So uh, yeah, it'll be fun to talk about clerks, man. I'm a big fan of that film. Yeah, so. no, I just saw, um, so I don't know if he's still touring it, but I saw Kevin Smith uh, in person do like a, you know, an in-person tour of clerks three recently in Glenside, Pennsylvania, which is kind of, I guess it's a suburb of Philadelphia um, in the U S down here. So it was super cool to see that. And like, have you seen clerks three? No, and I probably yeah. well, I'll see it at some point. But uh, I mean, I have a, a conflicted relationship with Smith, with Mr. Smith. Uh, some of his later stuff, like Clark's Two, I, I thought was not no, no one no Clark's one needed two. this film. It's it's like treading on this. I did. Yeah. So are I you going to see Clark's Three then, or in tone to the first one? Um, there wasn't really that much toilet humor in it, which was good. For for me to hear i mean there was still some it's kind of oh okay okay um i'm i'm more of a fan of his earlier you know work um i still need to see dogma though i know that's a good film um it's just hard to find yeah dogma's so good you have to see dogma and there's a whole story how like it's it's hard to find right now there's a whole story about how yeah there's but i mean about i'm sure you've heard that uh it's kind of locked in hell because harvey weinstein basically owns it uh and exactly. Kevin can't get it back. Like Harvey was like, it's, uh, I looked on eBay, I think for like a DVD, it was like 50 bucks for the DVD. I was like, should I pay 50 bucks to watch this film? Um, yeah, no, Harvey, he, they own the rights to it. Uh, I'm just like holding it hostage, unfortunately. Yeah. Well, yeah. Cool. So, no, that's it. I, uh, anything else for me? Outro here. I want to thank you so much for taking the time to speak today. Do you have, uh, oh, I do have some, some more questions for you. Uh, what are your social media channels if you have them so we can check you out online? Uh, so you can find me at Chris with a K. So it's K-R-I-S dot Lankford, uh, dot one at Instagram. That's basically where I use all my production stuff. You can see links to our film. Uh, you can also just look up www.howdyoulikethatmovie.com. 
Uh, we have a Twitter page. If you want to yell at me, if you want to talk to Scott, who's a much nicer guy, you can shoot us an email through our page. Uh, it is available on all uh, podcast apps, uh, as well as our YouTube channel for those who like to watch. Awesome. Chris, thank you so much. Thanks, everybody, for listening to the podcast. I want to remind you that our fall and narrative documentary contests are now open. So check us out at thefilmfund.co to submit your entry. Check out our social channels at the Film Fund on Instagram, facebook.com slash filmfundco, simply Film Fund on Twitter, and the Film Fund on LinkedIn if you want to get your corporate uh, networking on. Uh, we don't really like LinkedIn. We have a horrible presence there, but we are there anyway. Um, some of our prizes, again, we have up to $10,000 uh, you can win for your short film, like Chris is producing partner uh, or director Marissa Slavin got for her film. Uh, she got $5,000. So check us out. Um, check the website regularly for most up-to-date information on that. Check out our blog, blog.thefilmfund.co for great filmmaking and producing tips. Sign up for our newsletter and follow us on social for the most up-to-date information. We also have an ebook. If you are not an experienced producer like Chris and you have no idea what you're doing, you can go to thefilmfund.co slash resources. And we have the ultimate guide to pre-production where you can download that ebook for free for great tips on how do I schedule a film? How do I hire a crew? How do I write a script? All that fun stuff that is super necessary. Uh, and that's it. That's all I got. All the plugs are over. I want to thank everyone again for listening. Tune in every other Friday. Chris, thanks so much. Is there anything else you want to add? Shoot local and support local. Love that. Thanks, everybody. Talk to you soon.